Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudia Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Welcome, everyone, from, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Gina Gaudio Grace, the co-founder of Divisio at D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the all-new affiliate network for companies doing good. And I've got Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Connection, joining me. How are you today, Andrea? I'm awesome. I've had a whole bunch of really cool things happen in the world. I, I'll share briefly, if I may. Um, uh, uh, Sunday, our guest for another radio show I did uh, was ill, going to be in the hospital, not able to make our Monday show. So I uh, got brave and reached out to Noel Lee, the founder of Monster. And he is uh, has a net worth of $100 million and asked him to fill in. <laughs> and he said yes. So uh, he was on a radio show yesterday, and at the end of that show, we had a conversation, and he invited me to fly out to Vegas today, which I was already going there tomorrow, but I flew out a day early, so I'm actually going to his house um, this afternoon to interview him for a Keep Smiling book and talk business with him. And if you don't know what Monster is, he is one of the leading founders of um, audio in the world. He's, it's his cables that really made speakers and sound better, and he has the best premier headphones in the world, including Beats by Dre, and Apple's working with him for headphones and so forth as well. So um, super fun, and I get to hear today what his, he has a new innovation coming up. and uh, So I'm super excited about that. So I'm right now in Chicago at the Midway Airport trying to get their Wi-Fi to work. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, that's awesome, Andrea. I'm I'm very excited to go. It's going to be a great week, uh, and then I'm uh, attending. Actually, it's funny. I'm our first guest today, Yolanda Martinez. Um, her partner Mark. He is having Mark Usick. He is having an event this weekend in Vegas that I didn't realize it was the same weekend. So I'll be actually seeing her and attending his event this weekend as well, and uh, taking some pictures there. And I'm also part of a contest for the Keep Smiling movement. So um, those of you who are listening always get to hear a little bit about my crazy travels and all the wonderful people that we get to meet and and that um, we get to have on the air in the future so super exciting (laughs) i swear andrea i get tired just listening to all of your travels and escapades around the world I love it. I know it's it. It can be uh, quite interesting. Actually, I had to laugh because when I got to the airport this morning, um, I got there a little later, so my bags were going to have to go on a different flight, and they actually moved me to a different flight, which means that I would be getting on a plane in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be on that plane. I said, I know I'm unusual. I'm the opposite. I'm the kind of person who wants the layover because I have a radio show to be on. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. It was very funny. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about our guest today, or at least our first guest. 
yes. Well, it is Yolanda Martinez, and she is absolutely amazing and wonderful. And because I am, oh, here it is. I couldn't, because the internet's not working here, I was stalling a little to pull it up, but I got it. So Yolanda Martinez is an evolutionary work in progress, just like all of you listening. She's been in the education and fashion industry for over 25 years. She's a certified makeup artist who loves giving back by empowering and helping women get back into the workforce and loves lending a helping hand to women all over the world. She's from a Pazagan, I don't know if I'm saying that right. She'll have to help me with this. And uh, Michigan, Mexico. Yeah, I totally butchered that. But was raised in Oregon in Washington, where she worked as a migrant worker with her family, picking strawberries, cucumbers, and raspberries from the age of six until she graduated from high school. And her father taught her the value of money and self-respect. After high school and after her parents' divorce, her mother moved the family to Northern California, where her adventure began. So she has been doing some amazing things. She's now worked with her husband, Mark Usick, an entertainer with over um, 10,000 shows under his belt. I mean, that is a lot. 10,000 shows as a hypnotist and motivational speaker. They travel together, speak all over the world, empowering and creating breakthroughs for individuals and couples in their business and personal life. Um, They live um, their purpose to make a difference to anyone who's ready for change and growth, and she looks to inspire women by empowering them through her life experiences. So I'm so excited to have her on. Yolanda, please welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you. Well, thank you, Andrea. Right. And, uh, so yes, first, you uh, pronounce your city the... correctly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's Apatzingan, Michoacan, Mexico. <laughs> that sounded exactly like what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sadly, my maiden name is Benavides, but I never learned Spanish, so I'm, um, you know, I, I, yeah, very weak in that area. So, yeah, you know, that's one of the things when I, you know, first was meeting you and being around you so many times, you know, I had no idea of your background and um, Mark, you know, often brags about you as, as you hear him. <laughs> I see you blush every time he does it. And you know, and the fact that, um, you know, growing up, um, for me growing up that my family, my dad believed that, um, he was of Mexican heritage. We since have done our DNA test and found out we're actually, um, Spanish, Puerto Rican and, um, um, Native American, but he grew up, um, with, um, oh, this, people being prejudiced towards him and calling him a tomato picker and stuff like that and a migrant worker. And his family actually wasn't, but he grew up with that um, feeling very shamed by that or people presenting that as shame. And, um, and so I love the fact that, um, that you, that that is part of your heritage and that you're proud of it. And uh, so I wondered if you kind of talk about that because I, I mean, it's hard, hard physical work. Um, and at the same time, the culture and the family and the, the work ethics that you got from, from that, I mean, definitely changed your life. Not that I want children to do that by any means, but it did, did bring you into a world a different way. Well, I think a lot of it, see, I, I never grew up with the, um, stereotype of what a Mexican should look like. Um, So I never felt like that was going to be my identity um, growing up. 
I knew that what I was doing was a job. It wasn't who I was going to become. Um, so I think for me that the whole mental part of it was this was just something temporary that I needed to do in order to have the things that I needed to, to have for school because we were to buy our school supplies. Um, it's not to say that there wasn't times where people would say things that were uh, race-related, um, but I, I always stood my ground and, and defended it because that's not who I was, I and mean, it's not who I was going to be for the rest of my life, if that makes any sense. Uh, I had the mindset of wanting to do other things. I had things that I wanted to go out and do in the world, so I never really stayed with that thought that I was going to be a migrant worker for the rest of my life. Um, and yes, I did learn the value of, you know, you earned your, you earn your money, you can do whatever you want with it, and you don't have to explain it to anyone. Because a lot of times we have that stigma where if you start making money and you have money, you somehow have to explain to the world why you have the money and why you should be able to uh, buy yourself whatever you want. Um, so I learned that as long as I earned my money, my hard-earned money, I can do whatever I want with it. So I did. I did things. I bought my school supplies. I bought my school clothes. Um, you know, I put myself through modeling school. Um, when I when I got to the age of I want to be a model, and I loved fashion even back when I was little. I was always experimenting with clothes. So um, I think that once you know what you want, yes, obstacles in life come and go, but you should always be on track with what it is that you, the destination that you want to get to. I love so. that. And, um, and, and yeah, and I totally, you know, it was funny. Um, I might've shared this on the air before, uh, but I'm going to share it again. Um, when I moved, married my husband and moved out to his farm, our neighbors planted tomatoes and green peppers and picked them. Um, and um, so I went over one day and asked them the next time they did that if I could go and do it because I wanted to experience what that was like. But it was, it was totally nothing like, I mean, it was all machinery and, you know, and e easy. And so it, it was not the full experience that somebody would have had, but I realized that it was very honorable work and nothing to be ashamed of. And so I'm really glad that I, I did that, even though I, I, I mean, I, I know I was very fortunate to be having machinery to make my job much easier, but um, it really made me value that and, and see that the people who would shame anybody for being a migrant worker, for doing that hard physical labor to get the foods that we need to eat as a community and as a society, I mean, those people are at fault, not not, not anybody doing the job. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you came to meet Mark. How did that come about? Mark and I met at uh, the L.A. Book Fair um, in 2008. I was working with, of course, my modeling agency, and they had booked me for a job to be a hostess for a a booth for a publishing company from Germany who needed someone to man their booth while they held their meetings with their clients. And so 
I was I, I had never worked the Valley Book Fair and um I met Mark's promoter there and he introduced himself and then he introduced me to the whole group. Mark was there promoting a children's book series with his business partners and um so I got to know all of them and then I I was living in San Diego at the time and as Mark and I got to talking, he was going to be coming to San Diego for a month for the San Diego affair. And so we became friends, um, and I didn't even really understand what he did. Um, and so I kind of... Many people still don't. Kept... <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, um, he kind of kept me away from the show for a while. So, yeah, we became friends first, um, and then within a month we were dating and we've been together ever since. Awesome. So <laughs> once, um, so for those of you, when we, we talked about what Mark does, so, you know, Mark is a hypnotist. Um, he, he, you know, changes people's lives by helping them, you know, rewire their minds and to, lim- to re- remove limiting beliefs and to um, open up and explore the things that they want for themselves. And then he also does a, um, a comedic entertainment show, which actually has some uplifting, powerful, long-lasting benefits as well, although they're um, hidden within the entertainment part because he's at fairs, you know, entertaining people. <laughs> and and uh, what else would you say about that uh, that I didn't share already? Oh, yeah, he does the fair circuit, but he also does corporate shows where he teaches, you know, how the mind works and how quickly you can – uh, you know, change the way you think to to take action on the things that you want to accomplish. So he does a lot. He does do a lot of corporate events and you know the the motivational speaking. Um, so the entertainment part of it is the hidden. I would say the hidden gem of um, you know realizing that in all seriousness, you can still laugh about things that, you know, he can get people to do while under hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so for those of you who are wondering, that does mean you can bark like a chicken. But it doesn't make people bark like a chicken. It's people who subconsciously really want to be able to be fun and be free to do those things. So it's under hypnosis where their subconscious is given permission to be fun and goofy and if their conscious really doesn't want them to be fun and goofy they won't they'll wake up and they won't participate i mean that's the beauty of it is that we can't really make yeah yeah we can't make people do things and that's what's cool um it's beautiful and um so when did you come to understand and learn more about all of what he was doing and how did that change the course of of your life well, I think for me, it's whenever anybody asks me, like, have you done all the things that you wanted to do? And I always say, you know, the things that were, like, life-changing and important to me, yes, I've done them because I've, I always have them in my, my mind in the way that I was going to do them. You know, I was going to graduate from high school. I wanted to, to move to California and live in L.A., I wanted to go to college, I wanted to teach, and I wanted to be in the fashion industry, and I got to do all those things. Um, But, you know, us growing up, 
you you don't hear the word mindset and you don't hear the word, you know, you're in control of your mind and, and you're in control of the choices you make. You don't learn that. That's something that, you know, I learned later in life, um, you know, having those labels of, you know, your mindset. You have a strong mindset. Um, and, you, you know, you go after what you want and, and you you know, you stick with it and you stay on track. You don't let anything distract you from it. Um, so for me, it was just understanding the concept of it um, and understanding how to explain it to people so that they would have a better understanding of it. And that's why, you know, when, when we hear, you know, women say, oh, I'm a victim, a victim of what? If, if you were a victim of something, that means it already happened. Why are you still holding on to that label of that you're a victim? Right. Um, mm-hmm. You're not a victim. You just haven't learned the lesson from what happened. You, you have to live in purpose in order to have learned the lesson of what happened mm-hmm. to you. If you can't take what happened to you and use it as a guide to help others, then you're only focusing on yourself. And so when I learned how that all worked, it's when I started um, wanting to, you know, like put the word out there that stop labeling yourself something that you are not because then you, you, you keep saying it to yourself and that's what you're going to eventually believe. And until you change what you say to yourself, nothing is going to change in your life. Absolutely. I have experienced that myself. And the fun thing about this and with the skill set that you have is as people work with you, they may feel like, oh, wow, everything's all better. But what we find is that layers come out like triggers are brought up of things that maybe we didn't even realize that we had limiting beliefs, you know. So I've been in the hypnosis, NLP, personal development world where I've been releasing things for years. So I either had a trauma unbelievable, which I did not, or um, I just, my mind set up um, a a whole bunch of limiting beliefs that as I release them and and move powerfully forth, there's such a change and people see that in me. And then yet um, in a week or two later, I'll see something else and think, oh, my gosh, let's remove that, too. And it's so exciting. So I'm um, wanting to know more about your women's retreats. I know you started doing these because I love this because, um, you know, especially in the fashion and makeup industry, um, a lot of women use fashion and makeup to hide behind rather than Mm -hmm. to enhance who they are. And so I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, right now I'm. I haven't done any women's retreats, but I am planning one. Um, I'm. I have my 21 days with Yolanda online program that talks about that. It talks about you know being confident, your mindset, uh, self care. Um, you know, being aware that if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of others? Um, I don't. Um, I don't use makeup to hide. I use makeup to enhance and beautify what's already there. Um, so when people, you know, when women criticize other women for, oh, you, you're not wearing makeup or vice versa, wearing makeup, 
it bothers me because it's why does it bother you that that person chooses to wear makeup? Or why does it bother you that that person chooses to not wear makeup? It's that that whole stop beating each other up and why don't you uplift each other instead? You know, um, makeup is it's just a thing you put on, but it's how it makes you feel when you put it on that's the difference. Um, and, you know, you're right. Some, pe- some women use it to hide who they are because they think that it's, it's a mask. Other women use it to make themselves feel good because they, they look good, and so they feel good about themselves. And it shows that they have taken the time to take care of themselves so that they can feel good about themselves. So it's that whole criticism thing that, that bothers me, and that's why I, you know, I got into wanting to do, you know, a women's event. You know, one of my ideas is that I want to do an event where at the, end, at the last day of the event, we, if, these women, if women that attend the event are married or have a significant other, we bring them into the room and they do a fashion show for them. And I have makeup artists there um, helping do their makeup. I have um, stylists helping them with their clothes. So that is one of my ideas is to just to show that you don't have to be, you know, a size zero um, to be on the runway. You can be any size as long as you feel confident and good about yourself. Hey, show it to the world. Oh, I love that. I actually just saw the producers this weekend, so now I want to break out into, if you've got it, flaunt it, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, producers is a Broadway musical, and in, in the, the show, there's a Swedish woman who's quite voluptuous and sings quite sexy, and uh, it's a super fun song about uh, confidence and um, being proud of what you've got as far as your assets. Well, I love... Um, um, you know the yeah, the concept of 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 makeup. Um, I grew, my mom is a professional makeup artist as well, and um, oh, they're going to be really noisy. I'm going to ask you a question instead. So tell me how um, how your schooling went for makeup and your specialty with it. I went, well, I I was in the modeling industry for you know 25 over 25 years, and. Um, I always worked with different makeup artists, and I always just loved the the art of it. And um, you know, I liked the fact that sometimes they would, you know, they would ask you like, you know, what is it that you like to do to your face, and what do you like to wear, and what don't you like to wear. And so I I liked the whole concept of, you know, there's a variety of things that you can do. It's just all about how it makes you feel. So I I'm not about you know doing all these crazy, outlandish looks because we as women don't wear our makeup like that every day. So for me, it was more, um, I love doing bridal. Um, I love love doing fashion show and I love doing um, photo shoots where you, you know, you got to work with lighting and stuff. So I, I didn't, you know, stick to one certain area in the makeup. Um, it just depended on the situation. Um, I actually took a course with um, 
makeup artist Deborah Mackey here. She had a course here in Vegas, and I took that with her. And then I also took a course with uh, Napoleon um, uh, in L.A., and that was amazing. Um, so I've always been interested in it. I mean, I, I've done it since I was, you know, 15, um, and I used to do my friends' makeup whenever they were going to a wedding or they were going to be in a wedding. So I always did the hair and makeup for them. So it was just always something that just came natural to me. I'm going to jump in for a minute. Yeah. Years ago when I was younger, growing up, I always had a full face of makeup. I've had lessons in applying makeup, but in 96, I got into a very serious car accident that left me in a hospital bed or wheelchair for nearly 10 years. During that time, I had over 50 major operations. And because of that long-term illness, I completely and totally got away from wearing makeup at all. Now that I'm better, I do wear makeup, but I find that I really don't like wearing much makeup. So most days, I don't wear anything other than lipstick. So... Any opinions on that? Well, I think that if, if uh, look, when I'm on the stage with Mark or we're doing events, um, I, I always have makeup. But if we're home and we're not doing anything, I'm wearing lip gloss and a little bit of blush. So it's, I think it's all about how you want to present yourself if you're going to an event, or if you're at home, I don't care. I don't care who comes over, who, you know, says, oh, we want to go out to dinner, and I'm like, okay, fine. I, it's how I, I feel. If I feel good going without makeup, I, I will go without makeup to meet somebody for dinner. Um, but when I'm on stage, because I know that I'm representing not only myself, but also Mark, um, I show myself presentable to, to being on stage. Um, and it's not to say that someone else could come on stage and not have any makeup on and they wouldn't be presentable. It's all about the self-perceived image that you have of yourself. If you feel good not wearing makeup or um, just wearing lipstick, that's great. It doesn't mean that one day you're not going to get up and be like, oh, I feel like putting on a little bit more makeup today because I'm going to meet a friend for lunch or I'm going to meet friends for dinner. It's all about how you perceive yourself and how you want to present yourself. Um, That's one thing that my mother was always so good about, and I, I, I don't want to make it like it was a bad thing. Some people see it as a bad thing. I don't. Um, if we went out and played with our friends and we got dirty and we came back into the house, she would make us take a bath and get cleaned up. She would never want us to be sitting on the couch with dirty clothes, um, not having been washed. And, And then I had an aunt who always showed up at our house, totally done up, her hair, her makeup, dressed up, and our kids would walk in and they looked like little homeless kids because they were so dirty 
they did they looked like they didn't have a bath for a week. Um and so I was always the one cleaning them up. So it's all about how you perceive yourself and how you feel about yourself. So I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> that that is a great answer. Very, very great answer. <laughs> And you know, I'd be remiss in point in missing this and not pointing it out, but we're on Leverage Masters. That's the name of the show. And make this okay. really a form of leverage, is it not? It Absolutely. Can be. <laughs> Absolutely. Because like I said, it's all you know, you can present yourself um you're not gonna show up to a job interview in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Um so, yeah, it's a way of leveraging yourself to not only look good but feel good about yourself when you present yourself. Yeah. Well, I love that. Awesome. Um, you know, um, how can people find you and reach you and um, participate in the 21-day challenge with Yolanda? Well, I do have a Facebook uh, group page. It's 21 Days with Yolanda. They can join that. Um, they can also go on my website, Um 21dayswithyolanda.com and you know I'm on social media so they can just find me by my name and reach out if they have any questions or um, anything that they want to ask me themselves Um, I'm totally open for that I love it so uh, we definitely will follow up with you. Um, uh, those of you who follow me, uh, she'll be on my <laughs> Facebook page, and I'll tag her as well so that you can see the 21 Days with Yolanda and, and check her out and see what she's doing. And um, I thought she was already doing her women's event, so it sounds like we're just getting prepped to do the first one. So if you want to yes. be the one of the first participants, then uh, reach out. I actually am going to be at a location this weekend that might be a perfect resort spot for you to do a retreat at. So uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, oh, awesome. see about inviting you yeah. over, see, see if you can wiggle it in between all the things you're doing But um, this weekend. But uh, that would be fantastic. So we thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I look forward to uh, – I'll, I'll join the group and, and uh, say hi to everyone and uh, spend 21 days with you. How about that? Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Yolanda, for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. You guys have a good day. Thank you so much. (laughs) So uh, here on the Leverage Masters, uh, Gina and I are excited that the first half hour we got to share that with Yolanda Martinez. She is absolutely stunning, by the way. Um, Every time... um, me and the other photographers that I'm with are with her. We always notice that we take a whole bunch of pictures of her because she is beautiful and it's fun to uh, photograph people who um, are just natural in front of the camera. So it's, it's pretty fun. And our next guest is someone that I'm going to be seeing this weekend as well. I, and it's so funny, I, like I didn't even realize that when, when this was planned and I'm like, oh, that's funny. Um, so um, Yolanda lives in Vegas, but our next guest, Pauline Crawford-Umps, also lives in Vegas now. She is, when you hear her speak, though, she does not have a Las Vegas accent. She has an accent from overseas. And because I'm here in the Midway, I'm having some challenges pulling her bio up. So I am going to have you share yourself with us, uh, Pauline. I will say that Pauline, um, she does corporate 
uh, talks and magical conversations. And um, she is she has her doctorate, and she does this amazing work with really helping gender see themselves in a different light. I've had the opportunity to attend some of her workshops, and um, she's done a Keep Smiling book, and we're doing a mastermind this weekend. Um, I mean, she's just fascinating. So um, jump in here and tell me what else I'm missing that I didn't get to share that people should know. Oh, hi, hi, Andrea. Hi, Gina. Um, can you hear me okay? We can. We can. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm, I'm very passionate about people. And as you might tell from my accent, I come from London, England. Um, but <laughs> I fell in love with an American eight years ago who I met in Budapest, of all places. And um, one of the things he said to me when we had a magical conversation was uh, he wanted to leave the world a better place for having been here. And I thought, wow, that, that's my passion as well. Um, so I studied people over my lifetime, and I love to understand the differences that people present. So I, I studied as an image consultant, as a behavioral specialist, and now as a gender dynamics uh, expert. And I've got a special uh, map that helps men and women to translate the, the dialogue that sometimes gets a bit confused between men and women. And um, I, I'm very passionate about bringing what I call real synergy into the boardrooms of uh, corporate America. So I'm, I'm passionate to help men understand the value of women in the, in the boardroom, in leadership, and also in the workforce. And, um, and I hope that, that that translates into happiness in their homes and their family lives as well. Because I, I think that um, together is the way we create the future. Would you agree? Absolutely. I know I sure what, would. You know, what, yeah, um, some you know, Gina. What you would really love about uh, some of the things that she does is, I'm, I I okay. So yeah, she goes in and does corporate training. But I literally have called her once when I was like trying to get a message across to a business male business partner, and it just wasn't sinking in. And I was, um, you know, and I, you know, I'm trained in conflict resolution. I go into the workforce and talk about that too. But it was just something, you know. Sometimes we just need an outside source who specializes in something specific and in this case it was the gender dynamics I really needed help seeing his perspective so that I could meet him where he was at and that is her specialty in fact she not only does that but her ability to work with people with gender dynamics and with international differences is also just um, you know cutting edge. Uh, she just came back from the Philippines and um, is going to be working with some people overseas. I believe, is it in, in China? Is that what you're going to be, or Singapore? Um, in, to begin with, in the Philippines and Malaysia, um, but their, their stretch is towards China, of course, um, with safety in terms of uh, current issues in China. But I think what I love is that around the world, people are people, and um, Everywhere, men and women, when they misunderstand each other, as we had in that case, Andrea, it, it just it makes you bewildered sometimes. And what I really study is that men and women are different, but we live in a world where we do a lot of things the same. We have 
you know, technical and, and business skills and communication skills. But sometimes we need to just value how it is in somebody else's shoes. Um, the different types of men, different types of women, different generations, different everything. So that the baseline is valuing differences as opposed to thinking that differences are difficulties. Um, and, and I think um, it's about enjoying the, uh, the magical conversation. So uh, the, the reason I love magical conversations is they're very creative. They're all about coming to a conversation without judgment, um, trying to see and hear and listen to everybody's point of view and enjoying the, the fusion and the synergy that turns up. Um, and this, I have three rules that I've written about in my book, which is called Magical Conversations. And it's um, no judgment, no anger, no coercion. So um, you know that, Andrea, in your life. It, it, it helps, doesn't it? It does. It's uh, been extremely instrumental. I have called her on many occasions, so she is available for private consultations as well. <laughs> you know, and think about it when you're, you know, like in my case, I'm executive director of an international movement, and I have to be able to not only work with our team, um, but I need to be at events where I'm taking pictures of people from all over the world. So I, you know, I need to be able to um, mediate the course of action that fits everyone there and when you have high energy high ego high high stress you know uh, having having that map has just been fantastic so she really does guide you through magical conversations um, this weekend on Sunday from um, we're having a private uh, invitation only mastermind if you're someone who's listening and either is willing to fly out to Vegas or um, would uh, lives in Vegas or in the area and thinks, hey, why didn't Andrea call and invite me? Uh, then um, text me or email me or reach out. If you know Gina, reach out to Gina or Pauline and uh, say, hey, I, I want to be at this. Um, we're, it's uh, called International. Well, the sponsors are International Heart or, excuse me, Corporate Heart International. That's Pauline and um, her um partner uh linda or excuse me lisa english and we're really just um taking three hours to really dig deep and figure out what it is that people want to aspire to and how we can as a community pull that out of them so that they have the tools and resources to really make a difference in the world like they want to and and implement that right on the spot so i'm really excited about this weekend Oh, it's, it's going to be great fun, and I think it's a beautiful environment, and that helps with conversations, is to be in a beautiful environment. Yeah, it's super. I, Gina, I so wish you could be there. This place, um, they're calling it a private cottage. I saw the pictures. It's a mansion. Um, <laughs> fantastically gorgeous i mean this beautiful garden you wouldn't even know it's in vegas it looks like it's some tropical area it's completely private with trees and grass i mean it, it i don't even it looks like you just hit some oasis in the middle of the country it's fantastic wow i didn't even so know want to talk like that existed in vegas <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me either. Um, you know, and I meet a lot of people who say they live in a mansion, and then we go to their house, and I'm like, oh, that's a really nice four-bedroom house. It's not a mansion. This is a mansion. This is gorgeous. So um, it's really going to be very exciting to be there and to experience this. Um, you know, 
Pauline, take us through um, some of the things that when you go into the corporations, what they have seen as results and so forth from from what you've been teaching them and how their productivity and, you know, all of that changes. Yeah. Um, well, let me give you let me give you an example. I, you know, it's lovely working Please. with mixed, mixed teams. Um, and I one of my favorite um, contracts was with a group. There was 19 of them, and the the boss was a woman, and she was dare I say she was a very lively, um, very um, slightly possibly seen as bossy in the nicest sense, but she was very directive, and her four direct reports. One of them was a very quiet man who found her very um, very difficult to work with. So we would, were working with the gender map and explaining differences. Men like tasks, women like to be multiple level. Um, but also your personality came into it. And one of the things they realized as they explored what they were contributing to the team was that they had their own specialty. So he was good at very quiet, detailed work. Left to his own, he could do a piece of work perfectly. He was very fast and, and wanted it now. So when they understood the value they had for each other, I said to her, well, does he do his work well? Yes, yes. Does she do her directing well? Yes, yes. So I said, really, it's about negotiating for time. So I got them to be in a circle and realize that in looking at what they did best, they could then work together. So she could rush in. She could say, oh, can you do this in an hour? And he would say, no, I need two hours. Well, can you do it in an hour and a half? It wasn't about the value of what he did. It was actually just about giving him the space to do it and her being very free to go off and, and do it. And what was really interesting about that and the rest of the group, as they learned all their differences, they put it together like a jigsaw puzzle. They all started becoming more friendly. And these two in particular, the female boss and the, and the male, uh, the quiet male, they became good friends. And he even decided not to early retire so what you see is when we get to understand our our personal contribution to the whole and the way to communicate it and particular messages, that the whole thing comes together and starts working better. It's like having the right oil in a, in a car and, and, and making sure that all the parts are shiny and they know what they're doing. The car goes faster. So that's what I, I love is watching over a period of time people going through all those aha moments of, oh, yes, that, gosh, yes, that, that's what we do best. So it's all about individuals and, and the collective at the same time. And I was very proud that my client in that situation, she said after, even after a year, the whole atmosphere was distinctly better and it never went back to the, the crunchy conflict times they'd had before. So productivity goes up, but also creativity. And along the way, friendship and and therefore health, because people feel much healthier when they're working well together. So that's where I see my work is magic. I love, I introduce people to themselves and to each other. And in that way, they bond together and find a synergy to make the, the business work better. And, and consequently, their life is better. So that's my mission, Andrea and, and Gina. I just... I love to help people smile and to see the value in each other. 
so you can see uh, when she mentioned that about smile, you can see why I uh, automatically attached to her so well, Gina, because you know me and smiles, uh, it was, you know, it's what I live for. And um, um, you know, and I picked up on it right so, away, Andrea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I'd really like to hear more from you, Gina, on what, because, you know, with you doing JVs, I could see where her magical conversations could really um, help people solidify and work together better, especially in a virtual world where they don't always get to meet and, and or engage, interact with each other. What are your thoughts on that, Gina? Well, one of the things that is so important with joint ventures is to really have the ability to look at who your prospective JV partner is, understand what their strengths are from a a personality styles perspective, and be able to use language that resonates with them. If you can't do that, you're not likely to get a yes on what it is you want to do. And that really is a magical conversation. So if you've got any suggestions for how people can use magical conversations to land bigger, better joint ventures, I would love to hear them, Pauline. You're absolutely right, Gina. And it's it's so important that we, we really see and listen to other people and able to share our values. It's like people often meet. You know when you meet people, they say, oh, so what do you do? And I say to people, why don't you say, what do you value in life? If you ask somebody oh, what, what they value in suggestion. life, you get a very different answer. And therein you can find the connectivity, and therein you can find a good JB partner. I bet you stump a lot of people if you opened your conversation that way. It's not something they've ever been asked before. It's very, it's very good um, question, even for an intimate relationship as well. When you're maybe looking for a soulmate, is to talk about values, values, and what do you value? Because you start getting to the core natural gift that each person brings to the world and brings to the circle of magic. I completely agree. Years ago, it was something that I really hadn't even thought about. And one of my mentors suggested that I take an assessment put out by a company called CGI Research, I think. Uh, If you go to askggg.com, forward slash V like Victor, P like Paul, I. It's their values preference indicator. And it's an assessment that helps you determine what are your core values. And both what are those things that are high in terms of your values and what are those things that are low in terms of your values. Because they're both equally important to who you are and who you want to work with if you're doing joint ventures. Absolutely. And, and it's, it is really as simple as that, is that if our values don't match in terms of priority, there's less likely that we will get together. One of the things that my mentor taught me was when I am involved in activities that violate my 
values, especially if I'm doing things that don't reflect my higher values and do reflect my lower values, it can actually make you physically sick. So for me, my highest value is in being appreciated. And if I'm involved in activities that don't allow me to feel appreciated and I go for weeks on end feeling not very appreciated, oh, 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 I am miserable. I can't sleep. I usually end up with a cold or a flu bug. So many things physically start breaking down. And that's how important your values really are. But if each one of us are built that way, it's just the way we work. Imagine how much more value you could bring to a potential JV partner when you ask the question, what do you value? Understand what they value and make sure that in your relationship, you're always bringing that thing that is of the greatest value to them. It would blow them away. They've never experienced anyone coming from that standpoint. At least not intentionally. Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's what I love to do because it's such a simple turnaround. We tend to always look at, well, what's, what are people's skills? You know, what are the credentials? I see what the values are is far more powerful. My, my top value is about harmony. You know, I'd like to be in a harmonious situation. And that's really, I suppose, why I am the ambassador of Magical Conversations. It's always been my passion to feel the, the flow of conversation so that it becomes harmonious. So that's I why I don't that. like anger and I don't like people arguing all the time, which of course there's a lot of arguments in the world at the moment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have the same issue. Andrea, what's your highest value? Um um, I I like to be talked to, so it's uh, not even about like um, um, so it's I guess uh, it's not even words of affirmation. It's just words. <laughs> so part of you know I and I guess part of that is time. So if, if people are talking to me, then they're spending time with me, even if they're not in person. It's that um, talking on the phone, which is very interesting because if if words are only 7% of what people hear, and yet my whole value is on words, um, then you can see that how odd that is for me. For, so for me, I want lots and lots of words. I, I want talk and language and people speaking, and then um, I tend to attract um, uh, both in, in my, my, my husband, my male partner, and male business partners, uh, men who want to be a few words, and <laughs> then I'm always trying to get them to talk more. <laughs> That's interesting. That's very interesting. Opposites really do attract, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so I want the very thing from them that they don't necessarily want to give. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting, Andrea, because in general, men talk less and women talk more, <laughs> generally. I have a joke in my family that um, uh, um, Tom's used up his... 20, um, 20 words, and I need more than 20,000. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's too funny. Well, yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I don't want to hear mm. words. I want someone to show me so I can feel it. 
But to, for yeah. someone to just say I love you to me, for example, it it's meaningless to me. It really is. Show me that mm. you appreciate me means I love you in a much bigger way to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite interesting um, when we do that. So, yeah, and, and taking the magical conversations or, or what our values are and adding into that, you know, it's definitely, you know, crossing over from what do we value in a personal relationship versus a business relationship where some people consider that as too intimate, you know. So I have some of my male um, friends and so forth who are like uh, concerned that because we talk so much that's too intimate. And, and, and even though we may be talking about things that are completely like anybody can listen. It's not intimate at all. I'm like, really? You people want to hear us talk about technology? Okay. <laughs> Might be sexy to other people, but it's not not that at all. So it, it's it, it, you know matching and mirroring them where they need to be, and their partners and spouses too. Especially when you work with someone of the opposite sex, who is who are who is their support system and what are they on board with? So I see what you do, um, Pauline. It really. Um, goes way beyond the corporate room um, into the person's yeah. world and into their bedroom as well, you know, and how they function and act and what's important to them. Uh, so although she focuses on the one, how how you help them guide their professional life certainly influences how their personal life goes, especially if they're no longer feeling stressed or they feel heard um, and respected, um, like what Gina was saying for herself, makes a big difference in the world. So what are, what's next for you, Pauline? What are big things that you want to do? What are, what are some of your dreams that you want to accomplish that you have the opportunity today to actually say them so that we can help you and our, I mean, us and our listeners can say, I'm, I'm, I'm on board, I'm going to help her do this. Well, great. Um, my my belief is that we need leadership that understands this synergy between different types of men and women and really getting the boardroom or the leadership team really to understand how they really inspire the rest of their organization in this real synergy. So what I'm looking for is especially the what I call the wise man who is maybe surrounded by an all-male board or more male leadership team and there's only maybe one or two women around or maybe none because we do know that there are more all male boards. I really want to work with them to help them understand a strategy to understand the language of women and bring the right women in and and have a, a planned strategy for how that top team will then lead a an organization which is inspiring and engaging and inclusive. It must you know, that that influence has to come from the top. So they understand the magical conversation in their leadership team. It will then, the Corporate Heart International is about then uh, drilling that down over the organization and engaging everybody in conversations. But if you start with the middle of the organization or the bottom and the leadership are not bought into it, it it jars, it doesn't work. We know in America that 77% of the workforce is female and yet, there are many, many, many all-male boards and all-male leadership teams. I want to help those wise men who know that they want to get to this better balanced place and maybe are not sure how to do it. Um, my experience with top executive men is uh, over 30 years has been very good in the UK and in Malaysia. So I'd love to be introduced to 
uh, that and, and JB partnerships and really the leadership of the country. So, and also to publish my second book, which is going to be about the gender dynamics uh, map in more detail than in my Magical Conversation book. Those two things will really, really help me. And how can people find you? Where can people find you? Well, um, I, you can find me on LinkedIn and also find me, um, I, do have, uh, I do have a website which is called MissMagicalConversation.com and we are putting together our Corporate Heart International website as we speak because I have still have my UK one, which is corporateheart.co.uk, but that's, that is transferring into the American site. But certainly LinkedIn and on Instagram as Pauline Crawford and on Facebook, Pauline Crawford on. And in fact, um, I'm going to be on a, a show um, on Thursday talking about what men are talking about women. So that's going to be fun. And I often get out on the oh, airwaves to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to talk about why do men back chat about women and what are the fears that they have. So that's going to be on the Almost Naked conversation on day at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pauline. Any parting words of wisdom for listeners of Leverage Masters? Thank you. Well, Andrea and I will be back next week, same time, same place. Have a fantastic week, everyone, and thanks again, Pauline. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.